0: Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Running Industry Podcast.
1: For us, it's it's understanding that a treadmill and fitness equipment in general is a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox to be able to enjoy your sports days when you can't be outside. It's great to be able to use something indoors and still get the same amount of satisfaction.
0: Yep, do not adjust your sets. You heard correct. Today, we're talking about treadmills. You might think, treadmills, dreadmills, but actually, the treadmill is becoming more and more a tool of everyday runners and elite runners throughout the world.
2: Personally,
1: we've invested a lot of time, effort, and and love, you know, into the brand. It is a stressful process, um, but the rewards are incredible, you know. And I I mean, from a personal perspective, being able to be there, see things arrive, and then being able to deliver to customers and see them, you know, with a smile.
0: Yep, today I'm talking to Stefan Van Bijon. He's the owner and the founder of a treadmill company called Noble Pro. You might have heard of them you might not. What I can tell you is they are an up-and-coming brand within the running industry, making waves and gaining customers. So if like me, you didn't know much about treadmills, keep listening for the next half an hour or so and get educated on tech in the running industry and treadmills and how they can transform your running. As ever, a massive, massive thank you to everybody who's been tuning in, listening to the episodes, rating and reviewing and subscribing. It means so much and helps us keep plugging away to produce some great podcasts with great guests. For now, though, on with today's show. So welcome to the Running Industry Podcast. With me today, I have Stefan van Bijon from Noble Pro Treadmills. Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So, Stefan, a little bit of an introduction for those people who don't know you um, about how you got to where you are today.
1: So I grew up in South Africa, um, grew up in Durban, cycled quite a bit, cycled for the, the part of the national squad Um events etc so i really enjoyed my my sports and outdoors and and then around about 2004 was the first time i came to the uk and then i fell in love with the country so but we're now based in milton Keynes, and it's also where noble pros headquarters is um and i do like to do a number of five and and 10k uh, park runs it's been really good um especially during lockdown uh, to be able to you know, really work through some some challenging times for, for many people. It's
0: always good to be uh, part of an industry where you actually have an interest and a passion, right? For those people who uh, are keen to know about Noble Pro, and I know that I am because this is a super interesting part of the running industry, tell us a little bit about the brand Noble Pro and how you got to where you are today, how you set it up, and a little bit about the brand direction as well.
1: To start a little bit before then, I got into the fitness industry around right about 2004. It was actually my my first job. I worked in a cycling store, so that was kind of my my starting point. And um, you know, things happened in between, and life happened, and then um, we started a a fitness brand that was hiring out fitness equipment initially. And then we got introduced to somebody who reached out to us by the name of Elliot High. And uh, he was getting prepared for the Belgium uh, Marathon. And, and at that stage, we realized the real need for, for treadmills. Uh, so we spent a lot of time with with Elliot and understanding, you know, what he needed to do to train, and he wrote a little diary on it. And then from that point, we, we realized that, uh, you know, we could really – get involved in the running industry and uh, change the perception of treadmills. It's been an incredible journey going from a very old school approach to treadmills. We realized that the traditional treadmill of just getting on and a lot of people describing it as a, as a dreadful experience. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to change that and uh, we decided to create a product that is runner-focused. It really fits it into the market of all the amazing uh, software that's now available, be it some free, some on subscription, et cetera, like Zwift, as an example. Us as a company, we are set up in the UK. We are based in the UK with a the small team. We also have some staff in, in Germany, mainly for software development. And we've got people in, in London. So we kind of spread over the UK and, and some in, in Germany.
0: I'm interested in the process as to setting up something like that because it's technical. It's got a lot of components. You, you wanted to create a runner focus brand. How do you go about that from the, from the ground up? You know, when you go and look for manufacturers who can partner with out in, you know, your manufacturing areas around the world, presuming there's a lot of kind of background work, legwork, research, et cetera, before you just kind of wade in on something like that.
1: The first thing for me is that wasn't my advantage was uh, my, my background's mechanical engineering. Analytical analysis of the problem and understanding what people want was kind of core of the whole process for us. So the first point for us was just to see what we currently have. We originally sourced a number of treadmills from all over the world Italy, from China, from America that was a very important point for us is to understand if a runner wants a hard running surface or soft running surface. And we had a number of athletes providing that feedback for us, which was, which was crucial. And so that was very important. And, and the, the difficult part from that point is to get the relevant partners. It's easy making something in, in your R&D center. And that's the easy part, I would say. The difficult part is to find the right people to get involved with. Uh, We found that partnering up with um, UK-based logistics made a lot of sense, partnering up with a number of manufacturers in in China. China, in that sense, um, helps us carry the savings and costs down to our customers, which is very key because there's no point in producing something people
0: Look on board, you know. On and on that side, um, when you're doing, uh, you've done your research, you've looked at the market, you say that you want to take it on a, on a very much on a runner focused, not necessarily on that kind of fitness and gym side, even though obviously that would be interesting to you. But when you're actually doing your research, do you go to people who are walking in and out of gyms? Do you go on SurveyMonkey? Do you go to running races and ask runners what they think of treadmills? Was some of it anecdotal or was a lot of it kind of, let's say, insight and qualitative uh, market research based?
1: That's a very good question, right? The first thing that we did was um, we had a cycle through of about 300 customers that we had a base set treadmill that we let them use, provided feedback on what they found was important, items that they didn't feel they needed, so items that they wanted in addition to. So that was in-home. That was the first thing. The second thing was, you know, we got involved with a, a number of events. Um, National Running Show was one of them. And uh, that provided some good feedback from folks. So that was important rather than assuming it's very important to understand who your market is um, and what they're looking for. And you'll find that what an engineer or thinks is important is not
0: necessarily what's important to the end user. That's interesting from a standpoint of. Understanding your customers, which, uh, you know, is paramount, especially in this day and age when, you know, there's a huge amount of information out there and you can, you can go down presumably that kind of rabbit hole of analytics, figures, numbers, scalability, and look at that whole kind of scaling of a business side, not quite taking into account who are going to be the people who are buying the product and what they actually really want. And it sounds like you did a lot of work in that area. Did you go all the way up to that kind of very, very high intensity athlete and right the way to the other side of the spectrum where you've got, you know, almost couch to 5Ks? Um,
1: I'll give you an example. So Paul Freary as an example, he, you know, he's been in the industry for, for many, many years. As an example from Paul, uh, when we the first launched, uh, he said to us, hey, have you, have you looked into um, integrating with Zwift and uh, we took that feedback from the likes of Paul and uh, made it compatible with Swift, which has obviously today been a huge impact. And what we found was, is when we spoke to people that are in the in the industry and runners, and that are coaches, that makes a huge difference to understand the range of people that would. Potentially the machine. What we found is is that if you design the running gear for an elite athlete, that it's an excellent base for somebody doing five and ten k's. And then at the same point, you have like an Adam Holland that does ultra marathons, and that created a, a very good basis for us. That doesn't matter where you are in the field of running, that
0: the that the machine has been tested, has been designed to exceed expectations. Talking about, you know, Adam Tango Holland, who, um, for those people who don't know, he ran from Land's End to John Groat. He's got a number of Guinness records. Very interesting character. From what I can see, never seems to stop running. And you've got the likes of Russell Bentley, winner of Snowdoni Marathon, a number of occasions. Very, very high intensity. These guys must be really, really important to you.
1: I describe them as like a firewall, right? So they are the front runners on... Um, equipment that we send out, they get the items that we want to ensure that we test thoroughly before issuing it. An example would be, we would increase the maximum speed of a treadmill remotely to be able to see how it performs um, from an endurance perspective, from a top speed perspective. And it's been invaluable having those guys on board, being able to give us that feedback. You know, like R- Russell, as an example, he highlighted that as part of our Noble Pro app, he would like to have synced with training peaks, as an example. Now, that type of feedback is worth gold for us. Now, that means that that feedback will trickle down to you know, the average user, the person that does the 5K or the 10K. And same as James Thee, you know, where it's really inspiring to be able to put him on YouTube and follow some of these sessions.
0: Yeah, I've seen James do some um, beast sessions over uh, lockdown as well. So it's kind of, he definitely leaves nothing on the treadmill. I think one question which I didn't ask in your part of the world is actually a car car brand, isn't it, called Noble? But Noble Pro, where did that name come from?
1: Um, Noble is, is a British company, as you alluded to, that makes cars. And the interesting thing is the Noble brand used to make cars in South Africa. One day I was in the tube and uh, in London, was travelling around? You know, trying to think of a name for this company, and I just thought it's a very suiting name, Noble. And uh, so we decided to dub it Noble Pro.
0: Obviously, I understand that you know you're a private company and so forth. But in terms of growth from when you started into where you are now, and maybe a little bit about the tentacles of the brand, how far around the world you reach right now in terms of the uh, the Noble products.
1: Noble Pro per se as a treadmill brand is currently UK based and UK centric. Um, we started off from our own back. So quite small uh, team of two or three folks designing, um, implementing and getting all the relative suppliers on board. And so we started very organically and we didn't want to shoot into a, a quite a huge industry
2: without doing our homework, ensuring that we get the right people on board. We're
1: now at a stage where we've significantly ramped up. So that would be production as well as as trying to get our production placement um, more UK-centric. So we started off with getting production done in China. But as the COVID epidemic gave us a very good insight is that if you allow one country or, or one entity to, to hold all the cards from a production perspective, it puts you under a lot of pressure. Now, the next aim for us is, is to increase our, our reach into Europe, which has its own challenges and we're very excited about it. The first will probably be Germany. And then the next one would be in America, which is very exciting.
0: And it sounds like you're doing things in a, a very measured way, which is always a very good way to do things, especially when you're beginning a brand. Did you have any, what people would, maybe some people would know as an angel investor where somebody comes in and they kind of like really like what you're doing and they, you know, give you some money to, to fly as it were. What's your model on that in terms of um, a financial investment?
1: From a financial perspective, we've had an angel investor um, obviously investing in the company and what that does is it provides you some wisdom and some resources and what i mean by that an angel investor would not just provide money they would also provide you with skill sets and for us that was that was crucial to be able to grow our brand and being able to have a a, a bigger reach and make sure that our structure is correct and the, the next phase for us is is to get a larger investment so essentially take us to the next level. So, it, for for a any product producing company, the initial investment is quite large when it comes to getting a production line up and running, and then spending significant amount of capital producing items. And uh, it's a crucial to get the right people involved and on board when doing those financial investments. It's been a very good environment for us to be able to to grow. And uh, look into the future,
0: you know. and and that's obviously incredibly important, isn't it, for um, a company, you know, where when you're talking about products that are premium products. Equally, then the manufacturing costs are also quite considerable. Do you have late night sweats on things like that, um, Stefan? You know, when you're thinking, oh my goodness, we've just put an order into China to manufacture, you know, a half a million pounds worth of treadmills.
1: So that, that's a very good question, and I think anybody who's undertaken a challenge like this definitely have cold sweats as a result. Personally, we've invested a lot of time, effort, and and love, you know, into the brand, and it's very difficult to grow and to establish yourself. So placing large quantities of of money on the table to be able to do these things it is a stressful process um, but the rewards are incredible you know and i I mean from a personal perspective being able to be there see things arrive and then being able to deliver to customers and see them you know with a smile
0: you're listening to the running industry podcast with today's guest stefan van bijon from noble pro treadmills if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to our Patreon page and pledge some support, which would be fantastic. You can also find out a lot more about the podcast via our website, runningindustrypodcast.com. You can follow us on social media at Run Industry. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So Stefan, COVID-19 the running industry has been hit seriously hard, as you would expect. Almost every industry within the sporting sector has, whether you're large or small, local, multinational. How's the virus kind of affected the way you do things over the last six months? How you operate and presumably how you get the product into the UK and kind of get them out to the customers?
1: So COVID nineteen has been a very interesting time for for the industry uh, as well as for us as the brand. So we've had multiple challenges Um, associated with the virus, be it logistical, et cetera. And then there's been some very exciting developments. One of the examples was the view of using a treadmill for training. For many, many years, people dreaded using a treadmill. And uh, thank goodness our market placement and and product really ticked all the boxes to be able to start changing people's perception of the treadmill. And uh, one of the things that, that really started picking up was Zwift for running. Initially, I would say 2018, the likes of Zwift on running was a very small market. And COVID-19 has dramatically changed now. You know, people are hosting events. People are hosting training sessions. And, and this has really changed the industry from going, oh, I need to go and do a 5K on the treadmill because I have no option to going, I'm excited to go on the treadmill and meet up with my friends or do a training session. The negative side for us from a COVID-19 perspective has been being able to, to produce. And this is not, this is not um, just for us as a brand. We've seen this globally. We've seen this locally. Where to be able to get anything made, anything shipped has been a real challenge specifically so in China. Which means that we struggled to get things um, produced on time in the volumes that we need at the quality we need. Um, It also means that previously shipment times would have been say four weeks, and now it's minimum six weeks. So there's a whole delay and a a cascading effect associated with COVID nineteen and the logistical um, issues associated with it. And I, I truly hope that that the government will also see the advantages of bringing production back into the UK. In some instances, it almost doesn't make sense to do it in the UK. If we have incentives to come back to the UK, I would embrace it with both arms. But we have talented people here. You know, We have very good facilities. So I'm, I'm really looking with eager eyes to see how the industry changes as well as how the the government reacts to this. You
0: know. um, as if you read my mind, that um, I did actually have a question about, you know, the fact that a lot of your production takes place in China um, and the UK, because especially where you are in the UK, you know, you're in that Milton Keynes area, you know, the motor um, motor valley of um, of the UK.
1: Red Bull Racing
0: is literally around the corner for me. Oh, really? Red? Oh, wow! Drop a treadmill down for Verstappen. <laughs> Just talking about your um, your kind of sales and service, currently, most of it, from what I can see, takes place online. How would you go about that kind of face-to-face? So, you know, just talking more about a sales side of things, you know, do you attend shows when we're allowed to? Demo events? How important is that?
1: So when it comes to sales, it's a, it's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting market. Uh, high streets are pretty closing. And that approach is, is really is changing the industry. So what we have found is that it is important for users to be able to see, touch and feel. And because the trim is quite a large uh, piece of kit, what we've started doing is online is our main focus for, for interfacing. We try and provide a very good interface for, say, customer service. But the other side of it is what we're moving into now is we're getting more involved with specific running shops. And that's a very good environment for people to try it out and try it out with different shoes and in the, the actual running shoes that they have. So it gives you more of a real environment. And that's our aim going forward. So rather than going mass into, into stores, at the moment, the, the sales have been mainly online as a result of the COVID 19 example. And that also means that it's become even more crucial for our ambassadors um, to provide feedback. And, and we don't tell them, you know, sell stuff. That's not the point of our ambassadors. A recommendation is worth more than um, having a treadmill in a big store. And that's really what it's about.
0: And there's nothing like kind of using something, is it? It's like, you know, test, for instance, test driving. So if you're going to, if somebody's testing out shoes and that treadmill happens to say Noble Pro that's in the shop, you know, uh, I can see you at club nights and demo days in certain areas with the various running clubs and so on. I can see a big scope for that use of the product. And that's why it is so exciting to me. And, and I would have thought of a lot of people in the industry as to how much opportunity there is with something like um, the Noble Pro brand.
1: One of those for us was during the national running show, we had a customer come up to us and ask, Would you include a music player in one of our touchscreens? About a month after that, it was released. And our mentality as a company um, really does make a difference. It's not all about the sales, that's one thing about us as, as a novel pro. It's not just about the sales, it's about the community, and that's what we try and reinforce. You know, that's why we try and get involved and understand the community because that's, that's really where they, the joy comes out of it is seeing people enjoy what they do and a treadmill is a tool for people to uh, achieve their goals and we want to make that experience as good as we can and not feel that it's a punishment I think that's very important
0: yeah, because typically with the dreadmill, people have seen it sometimes as a punishment. I totally get and agree with the community aspect. It starts from the center, doesn't it? And it radiates out. And I think if you can, uh, if you can latch onto that, which it sounds like you're, you are really, uh, aiming at, I think you're going to do a great job on that. Uh, home working—it's um—it's the new zeitgeist, I suppose, for the time being. Anyway, certainly, as some people have no choice. But with this in mind, can you envisage a situation where people will begin to move away from you know gyms to more kind of home workouts, and especially develop a home workout area at home even more so? Yeah, so we've definitely
1: seen a big upturn in uh, people creating a home environment. What we've seen before is that there was a big push for treadmills and um, for health in general in the working environment. So essentially what's happening is that we've noticed that that trend has essentially moved back home. And we see people that work from home more so with COVID-19, and I think so in the future, it's going to be the same kind of trend. The companies are encouraging people to get equipment, you know, equip themselves for for mental health and keep fit. So that's a whole range of uh, people that are now thinking of equipping themselves. It really has taken off in that regard. and We've also seen that the introduction of new apps have made a huge difference. In the gym, you would put in your earphones, listen to music, and just, you know, pounce up the miles. That's not changed. You can go and run with your friends, you know, and that has changed how you can run from home, you know, and uh, that is going to be a long-term change for a lot of people. We've seen that that, uh, the social aspect is almost as important as the training aspect. Now, the advantage, obviously, from working from home is that you have a lot more flexibility. So rather than waking up at 4 o'clock to go and run, um, you can do a lunch run. We've seen that a lot, where people have changed their routine to adapt to the new environment, you know um, So they would go for a lunch run, they maybe even do a a school run, so they would go and fix the kids and come back and then be able to be able to carry on. so the the amount of routine change that we've seen in the last five, six months has been a once in a generation change.
0: And that leads on to, you've touched on Zwift there, you know, for those... Again, people not aware of Zwift. Zwift as uh, a, a, a um, an interactive piece of software and hardware that, in the, coming from the bike world, is now really starting to move into the running world, where you can race that, that culture of virtual racing. The culture of virtual racing has moved at a pace, hasn't it, over the last few months? Do you think that you can embrace that and enhance it? So, do you think that that virtual racing and the way that it actually happens now could adapt to um, you know longer distance? So, for instance, when the Berlin Marathon. Is on or the London Marathon or something like, that. somebody could jump on their Noble Pro and almost be part of it. And then you work with the events to do that, and you kind of work on apps to to, to map the local areas. And there's a lot of scope there, isn't there?
1: I think it's incredible to be able to get involved in that. Let's say Berlin Marathon was cancelled for whatever reason, the Berlin Marathon events organisers hosted virtually. I think that's a great great opportunity both for them, their sponsors and everybody involved in between, um, including the runners. I think it's crucial that people do get on board with it, be it the, the customers, be it the event organizers. Um, and I think the COVID-19 setup has really accelerated that mindset, uh, which is the most important thing to change. Um, because if you don't just stick to the same thing over and over, you, you know, it will never change. Where in this case you force a change, and uh, sometimes it's a good thing,
0: you know. With the way that technology and social media in running is happening as well, um, that's not to say that we're forgetting about the outdoors and the wonderful um, um, opportunities for people to actually go out and run in the real world we're not trying to uh, completely convert everyone into this kind of this virtual world um just to round up i suppose you know how do you see the next two to three years for the noble pro brand where do you see all of your hard work kind of ending up longer term
1: so i think long term for us is is definitely to embrace what we've seen Uh, we've seen a lot at the end of the tunnel when it comes to integration with software and um, the one advantage that we have is that we do remote uh, updates for our treadmills. So that means that we can have a, a treadmill with a certain function being launched today, and you might have it for five years. And, you know, tomorrow you get an update and then uh, all the new software is on it. So that kind of thinking makes a big difference. For us, I didn't want us to be a traditional fitness company where we would just focus on the on the products as a piece of hardware. You need to think in today's world to be able to compete and to be able to meet people's needs. So for me, for the next two to three years, I think there will be some huge changes when it comes to interactive um, customer experiences, be it virtual reality, be it interface with the likes of Zwift as they build, and, uh, we'll see some incredible features come out. As an example, and um, as Rift at the moment, there's a lot of inter- interaction with reading data. So at the moment they would tie you your speed and heart rate, etc. But I envision going forward, especially if we get into a um, more competitive side, uh, we do hilly event like Snowdonia and marathon, is that you need to have the treadmill be interactive, so incline adjustments, and um, so that would be a, a big, a big focus point for us, and I think for the industry and, and in general.
0: I think that you know what you've actually produced and what you you're envisaging there is something. It's fresh, certainly, and that's what um, a lot of runners are looking for, I suppose, these days. And uh, and it, it's a complimentary, isn't it? it you know, as a, as a runner, you don't necessarily want to change your whole attitude to the way that you enjoy and go out and get fresh air and enjoy your running. We all go out there and we just love running. And I think if you can complement it with something, you know, a really interactive experience that actually is enjoyable and you're not just staring at a brick wall, going through the paces, I think it's only going to be an, an enhancement to the way that um, people enjoy their running. And hopefully Noble Pro is going to be leading the vanguard and, uh, and pushing the way forward.
1: You know, for us, it's, it's understanding that the treadmill and fitness equipment in general is a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox to be able to enjoy your sports, excel at your sport, meet your goals within your sport. Um, you know, days when you you can't be outside, it's great to be able to use something indoors and still get the same amount of satisfaction. And the days that it's, that you, you can be outside, that you can still enjoy it. you know.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really grateful to you, Stefan. Kudos to you for doing everything you've done up to now. I'll be watching with excitement as you actually move forward over the next two or three years. Thanks very much for joining us and um, good luck with everything in the future.
1: Thank you very much, Matt. And thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, they say that every day is a school day. And I don't know about you. I've certainly been schooled in treadmills. And it's opened my eyes as to the scope and the possibilities of the humble treadmill. Once again, a massive thank you to Stefan and good luck to him with the Noble Pro brand in the future. You can find all the links to Stefan and the Noble Pro brand in the show notes. So that's it for episode four. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we'd be really, really grateful for any feedback on how you think we can improve the show. And if you like what you've heard and to get the latest shows as they are released, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can follow us on social media at Run Industry and via our website, runningindustrypodcast.com. Keep listening as over the next few weeks, we have got some cracking guests coming up. From entrepreneurs, people working in footwear design, brand owners, and just people who have a great view on the running industry. I'm Matt Ward, and the Running Industry Podcast is an Amplify production. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.